From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. So as you may know, our next online music conference is coming up, and that is this year's Indie 101 conference. It's happening May 1st to 3rd. And Indie 101 is always about practical actionable advice that artists and their representatives, agents, managers, and so on can really put into action uh, to boost their careers. And it's all about the fundamentals of the music industry and having a career as an artist or elsewhere in the music industry. Since it's coming up, we wanted to kind of give you an idea of what it's all about. So today we're going to be sharing a session from the 2021 edition of Indie 101. This one was called, It Starts With A Great Song. As you may guess, it's about songwriting. It's a fabulous conversation. The first voice you'll hear in just a couple minutes is Daryl Hers, of course, the founder of Indie Week and Indie 101 and everything. But he throws it to our moderator for this session, who is Linda M., a professional songwriter and a professor in the music program at Seneca College. And joining Linda was... uh, Andrea England, a super respected member of Canada's songwriting community. She's also the founder and host of a, uh, a group called Four Chords and the Truth. It's a really popular songwriter in the round series. And with uh, Linda and Andrea is Rob Wells, multi-platinum producer and songwriter. So the three of them have a really outstanding conversation that any music maker out there um, can get a lot out of. Because unless you got the songs None of this other stuff matters. It's all about, it all comes back to having good songs, songs that people want to hear. So that's coming up in just a minute. But before we get to this week's conversation, we first have to acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlanta, Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work that we do for the music community. So a big, big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, let's get to this week's conversation. This is a great session. I love this one because, you know, history here, like Linda M, I actually auditioned for her band like a long time ago. And Rob, Rob's been with us at Indie Week times before. Uh, Andrea, I I believe this might be your first one. I'm not sure. Uh, But this is great. Uh, this is a good session. It starts with a great song, and uh, let's not take any more time. I'm going to send it off to Linda to uh, introduce our guests and start the session. Hey, Daryl, thank you so much, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to introduce our panelists. I'm going to start with Andrea England, respected singer songwriter. She's the founder, curator, and host of Toronto's hottest writer series, songwriter series, Four Chords and the Truth. She's released two critically acclaimed albums, the last of which was produced by Grammy-winning producer Colin Linden. Uh, She regularly lands songwriting cuts with artists like Megan Patrick and Nicole Scherzinger, we all know from the Pussycat Dolls. Um, The list, I could really read on and on and talk on and on about Andrea. We are thrilled to have her here. Um, Thank you for being here. And our other amazing and esteemed panelist, many of you know him, I'm sure, is Rob Wells, multi-platinum award-winning music producer and songwriter based in Canada. The list is long. I'll name a few of the people he has worked with. Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Adam Lambert, Serena Ryder, um, and the, the list goes on. It keeps getting better and better. Um, Rob's work has been featured in films, television shows, commercials, video games and his work has been featured in films uh oh yeah i read that part already rob has appeared as a music producer on canadian idol the house of carters and the next star so wow and let's not forget dr linda m yes i'm gonna call you from now on so linda and it's you know we were you were one of my first co-writers way back when so we're uh aging ourselves a little bit here um 
Linda has covered the artist gamut from international tours, commercial licensing and TV and film, was signed to um, Los Angeles music publisher, Jay Warner and her work appears in Pat Patterson's book, Songwriting Without Boundaries. If you don't know Pat Patterson, a very esteemed um, lyrics professor at Berkeley. So Linda, congrats on being in that book. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Linda teaches songwriting and artist development at Seneca College, and she has a PhD and an MA in music and has recently earned another MA in English. So thank you for moderating and for being a part of this, Linda. Uh, thank you, Andrea. I appreciate that. Um, let's get to it. I do realize we have questions. I'm not going to get to them yet. Um, there's a chat, which I'm told was going to be moderated by Indie Week people who are awesome, by the way. Uh, Zach, shout out to you. So I'm going to dive into some questions I have for our panelists. And I'm going to start with Rob. In your opinion, to go along with the title of this session, what makes, what are some things that make a great song? Wow, it's such a, such a heavy question, but a great question. Um, you know, for me, it's really just, we're surrounded by everyday, average, normal life. And I think that the whole point of songwriting, the whole point of entertainment, the whole point of going to see a movie, all that stuff is to take you from where you are right now and elevate you into somewhere different and to take you on a, an emotional journey. In movies, you get two hours in which to take you on this beautiful journey. In songs, you get three minutes to take somebody where they were and where you want them to be by the end of it. So if you're achieving that, if you're taking somebody on a great emotional journey and making them hear something in a different way or, or, or imagine something in a different way, I think you're on to something really, really great. I mean, there's there's all sorts of technical tidbits that I could give out, but I think in general, that's really what you want. You really want to reach out and communicate with someone and reach into their heart, rip it out and just make them feel something. And that is the real big secret to writing hit songs. Amazing. And Andrea, to get people to that emotional place, what are some things you think might actually help us get there? I know Rob said there are plenty. Could you name a few? You know, I think really at the end of the day, um, if you get super honest about what you're feeling and you pull, uh, you know, peel the onion, so to speak, there, I mean, we all live a different experience, but there are nuggets of similarity. Uh, and I think the between all of us. And I think the deeper you go into yourself, the more fearless you can be, the more likely it's going to resonate. Um, and I also think too, in terms of like the tidbits you were talking about or alluded to Rob, um, there's a really fine line. You have to be general enough. So it's really universal, but specific enough uh, in your imagery, for example. So it may really resonate with somebody. So I think it's a combination of things really. Awesome. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. We don't know how to define it. There's books on songwriting. I tell you, the only two people I ever uh, lean into for teaching is Jason Bloom and Pat Patterson, because I think a lot of, just because you're, anyway, I don't want to get, I don't want to digress. I will tell you something that comes up a lot at, at Seneca when I'm teaching is that I'm just into production. I'm here to be a producer. And I would like to know Rob and Andrea in any order um, why they need to also, and perhaps first be strong writers if, if they want to be successful producers. Andrea, do you want to start? Okay, sure. I mean, first of all, Rob, I mean, you're one of the most amazing producers I know, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say on this. How, how much um, money do I owe you now for saying that? <laughs> <laughs> I think I owe you more actually, but you know, I think really what it comes down to is when I think of a great song, if you can play it on the piano or you can play it on a guitar, so you can break it down and it still moves you. And when I say a great song should move you, it's got to move you emotionally. It either needs to move you intellectually, psychologically, or physically. You need to dance, right? And I think you know, production is really important. Great production can ruin a, a great song or it can elevate a great song. What it can't do, I think, in terms of making a song timeless is it can't shot, well, I, you know, this is a kind of a family show, but, you know, it can definitely take a diamond or, a you know, a diamond in the rough and make it shine, right? But it can't, 
it can't do what the song doesn't do, I don't think. I think the song itself has to have a strong melody, has to have a strong lyric, and it has to have a strong um, sort of musical uh, foundation. But it definitely production can enhance. And I think these days production, production can also, you know, becomes a part of the song. In some cases, you know, production becomes a part of the writing when it elevates that musical element or highlights that lyric in a certain way. Rob? Andrea, I love everything of what you just said. Um, for me, I wear many different hats. I, I wear a songwriter hat. I wear a producer hat. I wear an arranger hat. I wear a musician hat. And I realize that none of this stuff will exist without the song. The song is the most important thing. None of the music industry exists without the song. So when I'm creating a song, I create the song. I don't create the production. I really want to focus on the songwriting itself. And we do what's called the campfire test, where you just strip everything away. And you just, like Andrea was saying, just writing on piano or writing on guitar or a cajon or something to just like, you know, whatever, to, just to get like the bare bones of it, of it happening. And if you are achieving greatness with the simplistic, you know, idea of that, of just vocal and guitar, vocal and piano, vocal and you know, spoken word and cajon or whatever, just like anything like that, then you've got yourself a great song. And then it doesn't matter what you do with production on top of that. It's still going to be a great song. I apologize. I reference movies all the time because I love movies just as much as I love mu music. Um, but can you imagine, you know, I, apologies to, to those out there that like this movie, but can you imagine watching all the Transformer movies back to back and like just really getting something great out of it? It's got the most amazing visual effects, but it's got the weakest story. And to me, I would much rather go see a movie that has the most amazing story with very minimal visual effects in there. So it's the exact same thing with music for me. It's just, I want the song. I want the story to just really be the vessel that reaches into me and kills me in such a great way. And I don't want the production to ever really step on the toes of what that great song is. So, you know, just really minimal production is all that's required when you've got a great song. I think when you've got, a song that's maybe not so great, then you really need to rely on the production to spruce it up and to make it, you know, shinier like a diamond, like like, like Andrea's saying. Um, but definitely the most important thing is is the song. And yeah, the people that come into you, Linda, and say, I just want to produce, how great would it be if they actually got into songwriting as well as production so that when they're in the room and they're producing stuff and they hear the writers behind them coming up with stuff, wouldn't it be great if they could swivel the chair around and be like, I've got a great idea too. How about this? And it could totally elevate the song to a completely other place. Mm -hmm. So that's my, that's my two cents worth in there. So beautifully said, uh, Sh uh, Shania Twain, after all the drama worked with David Foster and he came up with one melody interval jump from da 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 da. And he said, what about da 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 da? And we all know he's an amazing producer, but he added an interval and it changed the kind of emotional landscape of, of where the song was going. I think you're right, um, well said. So on the topic of production and perhaps recording, and again, this is very much open to both of you. You're both writers, you both record, uh, you both do lots of different things in the music business. Are there production notes people can adopt so that music sounds current when it's released? Rob, I'll start with you. Sure, sure. Um, so this is the real conundrum, isn't it? Like you, you work on music that sounds current to what's currently going on right now, but by the time it gets released, that current sound has disappeared or it's changed in a certain way. So, I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at this. There's, there's timeless production, which is stuff that really doesn't pay attention to what's going on currently on the radio. And you can totally get away with that, that, you know, that I can reference so many different timeless productions that are out there that you can still put it on today. And it sounds just as great as it ever did before um, because they're using real instruments and, you know, uh, it's kind of like, again, the movies, imagine the score of star Wars, which is John Williams and huge orchestra next to the score of Logan's run, which came out basically in the same year, which is all like synth stuff, which was really current back in the, you know, the 1970s. If you listen to Logan's run now, it sounds horribly current. So, or horribly dated, I should say. Whereas John Williams score sounds 
unbelievably amazing and still sounds just as fresh as it as it did back then. So you can either create timeless stuff by using real instrumentation, or if you're really wanting to chase what's going on right now, take your love of what's going on right now and fuse it together with something else that you really like. So don't just do exactly what's happening right now. Take it and add an extra ingredient of another area of music that you really like to create something new and fresh. And that's how you create something that's exciting still six months down the road, um, you know, to just really stay on top of it. Will it be the next sound? You don't know, but at least you're creating something new that's kind of cool and fresh. And I call those hybrid productions. So, I mean, what was the biggest song from a couple of years ago? It was a rap song that had country influence. It was Old Town Road and it blew up and it went crazy. So take your love of different genres, put it together and you'd be amazed at what you can come up with and uh, have it be new and fresh when you release it six months down the road. I love that practical aspect of, of what you just said, Rob. Thank you for that. Andrea, do you have anything to add on this topic? Well, I would just agree with that. Um, two things, actually. The first is Rob, 100%. I mean, when we look at the last like 30 years of Canadian superstars, um, they're all hybrids. You look at Alanis Morissette, right? She, she uh, combined a, a super modern confessional lyric with rock production. You look at Shania Twain, she uh, combined really traditional country songs with a rock production, a rock pop production rather than a country production. Look at um, even Sarah McLaughlin. She had this really super poppy, you know, beautiful ethereal voice with elements of folk. Actually, Amy Winehouse, look at Amy Winehouse and, you know, the, the hybridization that, that went on there. So I, I, I totally agree that you take something that's current and marry it to whatever you love and it's a winning combination. The other thing um, that's kind of tweaking for me is when I was um, working with Colin Linden, we were talking about, you know, my album and how it, we were going to produce it and what kind of consistent sound we would have. He said, look, I don't produce albums. I produce songs. The thing, the thread that's gonna run through the album is the artist voice. So if we're true to the production of what each song needs, let's make sure that, you know, you know, this vocal is highlighted or this each song is served properly so that it's elevated. And then the common thread throughout is gonna be the artist and, and the voice that's singing these songs and the, the quirkiness or whatever it is about you. So I think it's, it comes back to, it all comes down to a song. Um, and if you're always keeping that in mind, I think you, know, you have a better chance of nailing it. That is some prolific words uh, that you got to experience from Colin Linden. I haven't heard <clears throat> I haven't heard it said that way. I really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners, who I know many of you listeners out there. I know you're accomplished and you're getting traction and you're doing things, but it, it's it's a long road, and we always want to be learning, uh, no matter how sort of high up or how many goals you achieve. And we still wanna, we wanna keep learning at, from, from people around us in the industry. Um, Andrea, do great lyrics really matter when everything these days, and I know we're, there's a trend here, is hook driven or, you know what I mean? What do you think about that? I, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm primarily, I mean, I write, do all of the stuff, right? But I, the lyric thing is, is kind of more in my wheelhouse. Um, so I'm, I'm biased, I'm gonna say, yeah. But what I'm also going to say is people aren't going to listen to a lyric if the first 15 seconds of your song isn't musically hooky. So I'm not going to get there. If the music moves me, then I'm going to listen to what somebody has to say. So, you know, lyrics aren't, they're poetic, but they, they need music. So I do think that, you know, there needs to be prosody. And Linda, maybe you could talk about that being the Pat Pattison um, sort of student. but you know, they one has to inform the other, absolutely. And and I think, you know, when you, you look at albums, I think that um, certainly hit music will sell a single and, re you know, but an album, when you think about what's going to take you from loving the single to going and listening to the album, is I think it's a lyric. It's something that is going to be reflective of your life that you really relate to that's going to hook you in and keep you longer than sort of the three minute song. I think you're right. And uh, I had a brilliant thought, very prolific. And of course, it just escaped my mind. Um, 
but I think it's easy to be cynical about genres that might not seem lyric driven, but perhaps if you, you know, maybe there's a reason they're repeating that one line, maybe a whole bunch of times, because maybe there's some truth, as you said, uh, in there somewhere. Let's talk about collabing if we can. We all collab, I think. Collaborate musically, lyrically, production, arrangement. Um, it's not a solo journey. Any tips, or maybe that's a bad word, any thoughts about what would make a successful collaboration with someone that you don't know? In the industry, you often meet people, got to book a session here, work with this person. Any thoughts on that, Rob? Sure. Um I'll just tell everybody that co-writing is where it's at. Mm -hmm. Don't write songs by yourself. Please don't, unless your name is Prince. <laughs> um, just write songs with other people. My career totally changed the minute that I started co-writing. Before that, I was sitting in my basement wondering why are these songs not getting out there? Why am I not having any sort of career at all? How am I able to network with anyone? The beginning of all that is co-writing. And so I, I just highly suggest it to everybody. You'll get better songs. You'll have a much better time and your songs will get out there and you'll meet so many people and word of mouth will happen. And everyone will be talking about you and saying, you've all got to work with this one person that I've just discovered. And it's just fantastic. So great collaborations, great co-writes. It's really important that they go smoothly and that they go well and that you are a force of positivity and friendship and just you make people feel really, really good. It's just, you know, good personality traits that I think are really, really important. So when you get in and you meet somebody and and they say, hey, I'm a songwriter and I'm a songwriter too, let's write a song. The most important thing that you can do is not write a song right away. The most important thing is that you can actually sit down and hang out with the person and have some good laughs and tell some good stories and figure out what's going on in the room, figure out what's happening in your life, what's happening in my life, what emotions you're feeling, what things you're passionate about, what kind of music do you like, all that stuff. The more information that you get, you can then after a half an hour or an hour, then start diving in into what it is that is in the room. So chase what's in the room first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Don't sit down and say, let's write a song for Beyonce. Just sit down and say, let's write a great song that hopefully by the end of the day, Beyonce will hear it and say, my God, I want that song. You know, that's the way to do it. So really just talk first. And within the discussion, you'll find out the title. You'll find out the chorus that you want to write about, whatever the emotion is of the song, all that stuff. It'll just really just make itself known to you within the conversation. So that's good. And then just being a good listener, being somebody that can, um, you know, really take ideas and run with it. I, I do this thing where I, I tell everybody, make your writing room, change the name of it, whatever you've named it, but name it the house of yes, where <laughs> there you're just like, you're trying everything that's being brought out there. And and anybody that says anything as, as crazy and as quirky as it sounds, say, okay, cool. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And you never know. Cause like the craziest idea might be the one idea that then makes the song go like crazy. If you make it the house of no, if you're telling everybody, mm, no, no, guess what happens after a few people hear no, after a few times they shut down and they won't give anything else out. You, you don't want that. So there's many, many tips and tricks, but that's sort of like the, the main ones that I could really focus on. I'm sure Andrea's got millions and Linda as well. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the way you laid that out. So relatably and realistically and you just you made it sound easy as it is if you do what Rob said Andrea how about you yeah I mean Rob what can I add um the one thing I will say is I, I agree and I disagree on one point I, I do think that there is something to writing songs by yourself however I started out writing songs by myself and I, I think it's you know particularly in the enough maybe the folk Americana world however you have I've also co-written with you know, well over 100 people. And every single person I've co-written with makes the songs I write on my own better. Like I'm a better writer when I write alone than I ever would have been had I not collaborated. And I, I continue to do both. Um, one thing in particular I can say is those, you know, incredible people I've written with, they, they now live in my head. So, you know, I've written a fair bit with Liz Rodriguez. Um, who has become you know, one of my best friends. And that's the other thing that Rob touched on. 
Yes, we're songwriters. Yes, we're in the business. But at the end of the day, when we're 90 years old, we're going to be proud of the songs we've written. But we're going to also look back on those friendships we've made on how we've treated people and how we've made people feel and how they've made us feel. And I think that's what is so beautiful about this business. So many creative people and that we get to, to go on the journey with. So, you know, never put a song above a person, number one. But number two, uh, my friend Liz, you know, we both do melody and lyrics and music, but she's one of the best melody writers I've ever encountered. And for me, I'm a more lyric driven person. So whenever I'm writing a lyric and I get really precious about it, even when I'm in another you know, session, she's not in it, her voice will pop into my head up here on kind of on the right-hand side in the back. <laughs> and it'll say, yeah, but how does it sing? It's a beautiful lyric, but how does it sing? And so I take her with me everywhere I go. You know, I'll take Rob with me. Rob and I, we've written a bunch and, and you know, melodically and, you know, Rob, I mean, you're such, your piano work is so beautiful, you know, and you're always you so much money now. This is crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but Linda as well, like Linda, you're so great with melody and lyrics and, you know, you do it all, but you also, I mean, Linda teaches collaboration at Seneca. So maybe you could, what do you think about that, Linda? What are your thoughts on great collaborations? Um, that you got, I honestly have to say you've covered some salient powerful points that are that have been well said I don't know that I have to add to that but but I, I was going to say Andrea thank you for opening it up though for me for a sec that I'm I'm pitching two songs uh in about a month to publishers I have some relationships in the state stateside with some some publishers but when I'm ready to pitch songs not that I've co-written because I've done that for a long time now and when we pitch you know it, it's it's we it, we do well I do well uh, so I'm pitching two that I wrote on my own they've been demoed and that was kind of not scary but as an artist I wrote all my albums on my own toured them on my own and living so long in collaboration and co-writing land it was a little scary to go back in can I write the same level songs in terms of the sort of pro level uh, on my own and uh, I started doing that one a week until I felt like I can do this again um, I think you're right. It, there's a, you know, a beauty in both, but of course collaborate. Uh, I think, I think some of the strongest songs are collaborations. Um, okay. We have and on that note, can I add one little quick thing? Absolutely. I want to say when you're collaborating, first of all, best idea wins. Doesn't matter who it comes from. Hmm. What matters is it's somebody has said yes and it's comfortable in the room, as Rob pointed out. Um, but keep in mind who you're writing for. And, you know, often we'll approach songwriting from an artist's perspective, right? But, you know, once people start liking your stuff and start getting you to write for other artists, don't be too precious about your own ideas. Because if you're writing with another artist and that person is looking for, you know, a song for their record, honestly, their idea wins a lot of times because it may not be something that's resonating with you, but if you kibosh it, that song may not get cut. So you also have to be, you know, be strong about your own ideas, but remember who you're writing for and remember who you're in the room with. And sometimes, you know, you can be wrong and it's okay. And, you know, a, a, you know I, there are many times for me that lyrics I didn't love ended up being the lyric that the, the other person I was writing with loved and cut the song for. So, getting some perspective of who you're writing for. Always remember who you're writing for. And if you love an idea so much that you don't want it changed, then write that for yourself. Don't take it into the session unless you're willing for it to become a part of a song you don't love or a part of the song with a different meaning than you intended. So it's figuring out what, you know, before you go in, if you're going in and you're bringing an idea in, then all bets are off. It's my Anyway. Yeah, I agree with with what things that you said, Andrea and Rob, I think there, there's a narrative between that I want to draw attention to and it's serving the song by chasing what's in the room. I really do believe that uh, Dan DeMay, I've written with him a few times, he's a Grammy award winning songwriter, not an artist, you'll never know who he is, he's very much behind the scenes, but he says, we'll write what needs to be written today. And that's mm -hmm. what what Rob said uh, and and what you said let's serve the song it's not about who brought the idea but what's here today and what needs to be written 
and Grammy nominated, Grammy winning songs have been, and Juno nominated and Juno winning have been written because of that, I think, because they've paid attention to what's in the room. I, d I definitely want to add to, to what Andrea said there too. Yes. Part of chasing what's in the room is if the artist is in the room with you, you're chasing that. It's yeah. it's the artist's face and the artist's name that's going to be on the cover. It's not mine. It's not the other writer. It, it's the artist. And so I really want to dive into what the artist thinks is important and what they want to sing about. I, I couldn't imagine giving a song to an artist and, and having them sing it for the rest of their lives, standing up on stage and it's all my ideas. You know, I really want the artist to just drive that ship and tell us what they're passionate about and what they want to sing about. And just, you know, just like Andrea was saying, at that point, it's it becomes a service. I'm providing a service to the artist that, you know, the artist is coming to me to get a song to go on the record. And then that ends up being a benefit to me because then I can pay my bills through having songs on artist projects. So it's uh, it's a win win. Absolutely, Rob. And that, but that also doesn't mean the songwriter is going to be coming in bubbly every day. The songwriter might have just had a devastating breakup, but that song, as you just said, what's going on, maybe that song that day ends up being, um, so you still, you know, this we can, we all know has its ups and downs. <laughs> we can use the, the song Wrecking Ball as an example. Uh, Wrecking Ball was was a total situation just like that, where where the, the female writer that was coming in that day uh, just went through a devastating breakup I think the day before and they were going to cancel the session and they ended up coming into the session now here's another thing with co-writes if you're coming in with something that's really heavy on your heart if you can't handle the songwriting session then probably cancel it or remove yourself from it but if you're bringing that in to the songwriting session and you're using it to write from then that's gold and that's exactly what happened with Wrecking Ball that she came in and basically said this just happened. I was about to cancel the session, but now I want to write about it. And they ended up writing about it and it became the big song that we all know. And it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And that goes back to that, that one narrative thread I wanted to pull through that you, you, you do what's needed right here and right now in this room by being a good listener, as Rob said, by serving the song, as Andrea said, I think it all kind of comes back to that. Some of the questions that I'm getting from the crowd, some of them are a little concerning. What are the five to do's to write a song? Uh, I just don't feel like that's, you know, kind of what we've been talking about. There, there's certainly, certainly no rules, uh, only tools and tips that we can talk about. How about this though, from our audience uh, or our participants, our songwriters? A few people are asking about writer's block. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it exists, um, but, I'm not going to talk about that now. What do you folks have to say? Andrea? <laughs> <laughs> I can go first, sure. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, co-writing. Yeah. Co-writing's the way to go, uh, always for me. Um, I don't possess the skills that Andrea does. I cannot write a song by myself. I used to think that I could write a song by myself until I met some great writers who are just, you know, brilliant lyricists way beyond my scope. And, and I need other people to be in the room with me for many, many reasons. But um, I've definitely experienced writer's block. I will say that writer's block can still continue when you have two people in the room, but writer's block completely disappears if you have three people in the room. Uh -huh. It just is not there. It's the equation to eliminate writer's yeah. block. And you'll yeah. find that if somebody's coming in, um, that's having kind of a, a rough day or whatever that there is, you know, not too much going on, uh, no titles coming in, no, no great ideas or anything like that. It could provide an awkward situation if it's a two-way co-write, but when there's a three-way, there's always going to be somebody that comes in and just says, I just had something amazing happen. Um, so that's one thing that I want to say. And the next thing about writer's block, if you're in a room and you're co-writing with someone and you have writer's block this is gold and you're going to think that it's not gold when I say it, but it works. Go to the bathroom, go, <laughs> go sit on the toilet or in the bathroom. Seriously, like, just go sit on the toilet. Don't bring your phone with you. No, just gross. go and sit. And while you're doing your thing, I call it nature's vacuum. Something's leaving you and something else is coming into you. And I can't tell you the amount of times. Sorry, I'm half Newfoundlander. We, we go there. It's crazy. Um, anyways, but I can't tell you the amount of times that when somebody comes into the room after having a bathroom break and they say, oh my God, I've got the chorus or oh my God, I've got the bridge or here's the next melody that's going to change our lives. Where did it come from? The bathroom break. It's gold. Please do it. 
<laughs> you know what, Rob? It's so funny. I was thinking to myself, can I say the bathroom? Because, but, <laughs> but thank, thank goodness for the Newfoundlander in you, because I love that. But um, I will say, yeah, you know, I mean, from a technical perspective, human beings are visually stimulated. Uh, so when you leave a room, what you're doing is you're giving yourself and your creative self um, visual cues that will stimulate your creativity. So if we weren't in a pandemic, I'd say hop on a hop on a train or get on a bus and go around your city, get out of, you know, your space. But since we're in a pandemic and you can't really do that safely, go to the bathroom more often. It's good for your bladder and it's good for, you know, your songs. But I did want it to, uh, very quickly, somebody was asking about five points and I agree with Linda, there's no sort of, you know, here are the five things. However, there are a bunch of books out there. If you wanna get into the technical stuff, and this is a super old book, but um, Sheila Davis wrote a bunch of songwriting things back in the day, books. And, you know, some of the stuff is out the window now, but some of it remains. And I, I you know, I, I teach lyrics at, at Seneca um, as well. And I'll, you know, learn the foundation and then, you know, add your own thing to that foundation. But I think there are five essential things that you can look at um, when it comes to, you know, what makes a hit song. And one is making sure that, that that song is a genuine idea. It's a genuine kind of original idea or an, a, an original take on an old idea. Um, you wanna make sure you have a memorable title and you wanna make sure for most cases, especially if you're new, that the title is in the song because people, very simple reason for that. Somebody hears a song on the radio, they're gonna call up or they're gonna Google and they're going to Google whatever they think the title is. So, you know, that's it's not a rule that's hard and fast, but a memorable title, make sure it's in the song if you can. A strong start. If people often say, oh, my God, I love I love the bridge. Wait till you hear my bridge. Well, if your opening is not good, nobody's going to get to your bridge. So that's the third thing. Make sure you have a strong start. Make sure that you have a satisfying progression. Make sure that the musical structure as well suits the song um and i mean there are like five tips it's totally from sheila davis um the songwriter's idea book but i think that you want to if there's something wrong with your song or it's not really resonating the way that you want you can go back with your editor hat on after the fact and go okay where could i make it stronger what did i miss does it start out you know if i was listening on the radio would i turn it over or would i keep going or in spotify or wherever you know you're listening so just wanted to throw those out there as tips, things to kind of have in your checklist. There's un one other little piece of advice that I just recently heard yeah. that I think is really good. It, when you're sitting back and you're listening to your song and you're listening to your production, always think, is there anything that I'm hearing right now that an A&R could pass on? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that is, is there anything that that's in here that I feel should be changed you know those moments where like you listen to your song so many times and then you go and play it for your best friend and while you're playing it you're like oh my god that that intro is way too long oh maybe that that pre-chorus vocal could be a little bit better um maybe maybe uh, that re-intro before verse two shouldn't be there like all that stuff you can totally think about that stuff as you're listening to it with that different hat on just thinking what if an A&R was listening to this? What if I was presenting this to a label? What are the things that I can take out of here or go back and edit and fix up to make this the strongest thing possible? And I completely agree. Uh, I feel like that comes when we're maybe ready to be a self-editor. Uh, mm. My advice to, to the five to-dos is write at least 20 songs in the next yeah. month. Start with that. And then you've got, how many of these have maybe a strong start as Andrea said, how many of these, but when you ask a question, like if you're asking someone what should be in a song, it tells me that you need to go and write 20 songs in the next yeah. month, make it happen. And then Sheila Davis is a great example. Go, then you can, you've got a body of material to work with and say, mm -hmm. what about my strong intro? What about my hook? Do any of these, would anybody be interested in any of these but go out and write yeah go out and write 20 songs is a low ball but i'm i don't want to daunt you by saying writing 100 just go write 20 by the by the end of the month but it I should be 100 it should be 200 it should I be 300 I, I i get people ask me all the time how do i become a songwriter and i always throw it back at them it's like well how do i become a bodybuilder that can bench press 300 pounds you have to start by going to the gym and you lift five pound weights for a week 
And it sounds like a joke, but you start there. And after a day, you're like, wow, my arms are actually getting a little bit tired. Then a week later, you're like, screw these five pound weights. I'm going to go to seven and a half pound weights. Then I'm going to, the next week after that, you're at 10. Then you're at 20. Then you're at 50. And then eventually after a year, after you've been going in every day to do this, after a year, you can look back and say, wow, I can't believe I was doing five pound weights at the beginning. So it's the same thing with writing. I would just write and write and write and don't go back and fix these songs unless you really want to, but just move on and write a new one, write a new one and write a new one and learn the lessons from each writing experience that you're having. And by the end of the year, you're going to turn around and say, I can't believe the songs that I was writing a year ago. What a joke compared to what I'm writing right now. Yeah. It's just, it, it's inevitable. It's the 10,000 hour thing that everyone talks about is just exercising that muscle and becoming stronger and stronger as you go. Absolutely. And I think the one of the reasons I don't believe writer's block exists is because, again, I'm thinking of maybe a younger writer, uh, is it's it might be fear-based. It just might yeah. be fear. So that's why I want you to go out and write 20 songs. I'm saying 20. I agree with Rob about the 200. I do. But get rid of the fear and just start writing. So, okay. Uh, I don't know how we are for time. I've got some more uh, participant questions. Okay, when do you not add a co-writer? <laughs> One of our, I have many songs that I add co-writers, oh, that I add co-writers to edit. Maybe, maybe this person means who maybe want to edit. Um, so when do we maybe not <laughs> add a co-writer? I don't know if this is a relevant question for you folks. Andrea, yeah, I, I think you're probably better for this. Well, I, you know what? I think if you're thinking about adding a co-writer, then you need to add a co-writer, mm -hmm. period. You know, I mean, if the song, you, it, it's kind of like, how do you know your steak is good or your salad is good, or whatever you're eating, it is or it isn't. And if you're like, hmm, maybe I should get something else, then yeah, 100% get something else. If you have any hesitation about your song at all, um, add a co you know, it's not a, like really about adding a co-writer, but invite somebody to collaborate. Hopefully somebody who's already in your collaboration circle, you know? Good. Here's another question, if I may, from our participants. What's the best way, uh, sorry, what advice do you have for songwriters to approach writers who are slightly above them in experience? And you want to take that one, Rob? Um, well, you know, I, I, I really have the mindset that everybody knows something that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And if you open yourself up to that and you listen to everybody, then they can all become a good teacher. And that includes you too. So I really think that everybody has something to contribute to the writing situation. And I wouldn't really think, you know, I wouldn't worry about writing with somebody that, that is, that is what you consider above you. Yeah. They, they've had more experience, but you are your own unique person and you have something very special to add in this world. There's never been anybody like you before you, and there never will be anybody like you after you. And you've got your own cool, unique ideas. Um, some of the most inspiring quotes that I've ever heard in my life came from my children when they were really young. My, my first boy, when he was three, told me something that completely floored me. And I've used that information so many times for writing a song. So I really think that, you know, when you get into the writer's room, all the experience that someone's had, all the plaques on their wall, all the millions of records that they sold, none of that crap matters. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. All that matters is what's in the room, as we've said already. And just get in there and be kind yet confident and be a good person, uh, be driven, throw some great ideas out there, and you would be greatly surprised at what you can write with somebody that you consider to be you know, further along in the career, I guess. Um, yeah. I definitely feel it though, because I know at the very beginning I thought things like that too, until the minute that I actually sat down with people like Randy Bachman, who was sitting in the room with me, and just I had the best time with him, and we became such good friends, and we're still good friends. I wrote with Christopher Ward, who wrote Black Velvet and won like the Juno for Song of the Year, and I just thought, what am I doing in here? But then we ended up being great friends, and we've written so many songs together, and it's just like. Don't be afraid of that. Don't let these things hold you back. Just be you. You're unique. You're very special. And you have something to contribute in the writing room for sure. Yeah. I mean, Rob, too. I mean, there's getting in the room, though. And I think that's one of the things people are wondering. How do I get in the room with a writer who, 
is a Christopher Ward, somebody with a Juno, somebody who's done so much more, you know, you're confident in your writing. Well, I do think, you know, there is something called, and I'll just talk, let's just talk about it, put it out there. It's called writing up. It's when, you know, you want to write up, you want to write with somebody who's more experienced and it's not necessarily somebody who's better just because someone's won awards. I mean, in some cases, sometimes they're better. They've probably been doing it longer. Right. So, but there is an etiquette certainly in the business, whether it's spoken or unspoken, that typically, you know, the best way to get in a writer room is through a referral. And that goes back to what Linda M was saying, you know, write and write and write and write and write. The way that I ended up writing for other artists, I made a record. I made a record by myself. I put it out there. I invest it in my, in my craft. I, I, you know, fear aside, I jumped in and it was that record that people heard and then said, Hey, will you write with me for my record? So, you know, I'll, I'll have a lot of people saying to me, you know, various times, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer and how do I write with so-and-so? And my first thing is, well, what have you put out there? Nobody is going to want to be in a room with you if you don't have, if you haven't demonstrated your work. So how best to demonstrate it? Record something, invest the money, invest the time, get a great live show together, do whatever you need to do. And then, and then you'll get referred into rooms where there are people with more experience than you, or you'll get invited by those people. Yeah, I got such a- with, uh, oh, sorry, I was going to say, I, I, Carolyn Don Johnson was like a hero. I remember first time I went to Nashville, I didn't know anybody and I could hear her on the radio and I was so oh my God, another Canadian girl. And how did that happen? And, you know, and then I went ahead and I made my own record and somebody at SoCan happened to pass that record along to her and she invited me to write with her. And that never would have happened if I didn't make a record. So, you know, if you're a budding songwriter, guaranteed you're probably a budding artist potentially, or, you know, find one to work with and then get referred into that room you want to be in. No, but that's such great advice. Uh, just like having something out there. There's so many times where I hear stuff where, where people send me, you know, links all the time. It's like, Hey Rob, would you listen to this? And most of it is, is, you know, it's okay. It's very passable, but occasionally there's something that comes along that really resonates in my heart. And I don't care whether you've had songs on the radio or anything happening. I, I almost prefer that you didn't, you know, cause like it's, I really get moved by that. And then I want to reach out to that person and say, let's try to make something. You know, I mm-hmm. want to be in awe of whatever it is that they're doing and just think, wow, it's so cool. I get to work with this person who's just starting and is already doing really, really cool things. And, and that's, you know, that's such great advice, Andrea. I really appreciate that. Hey, everybody. Uh, it is two minutes to the next session, so All I've got right. to jump in. Uh, these are the kinds of things that really get happening when it's quality, like time flies and we want to keep going, and the discussion is great. Uh, the engagement is great. There's questions, so uh, please uh, come back and answer the questions if you can. Uh, there was a question, Rob. Uh, somebody noted that you do consulting online. I uh, want to give just a quick brief how to connect with you. Sure. Just uh, go on to Instagram. On um, in my profile, there's a link tree that's on there, and uh, you can you can find the uh, the – it's like a little booking thing that you can just – you know, have a half an hour, an hour with me and we can sit down and have a one-to-one. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I just want to share one quick story. Friend of mine, he was 45 years old, lived in Peterborough, and this is before digital could collaborate. He would drive to New York or Nashville every two weeks just to look for people to co-write with. And at one point, Somebody he co-wrote with in Nashville became a producer, record label that released a song for the girl that came in third on the first American Idol. And that Kimberly song, Locke. Kimberly Locke, Seven Worlds Wonder, was a song. Eighth World, Eighth World, Eighth World, Wonder. Eighth World Wonder. Wonder. Yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yes, and it broke records, yes. right? And I went down with him after to the CSAC Awards in New York because he was invited because they were anticipating he was going to win the award next year. And it was funny, two Canadian guys were overlooking the Hudson Bay at this award show. And everyone's kind of like, who are these guys? What's going on? And like little Bow Wow came up to Joel and was like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm here because of it. And the like, second he heard the name of that song, he's like, Pull out his phone. He's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Two o'clock. Want to go right? Want to do something? And then the singer from the Atari's overheard that he came over. He's like, hey, well, I'm, I'm afraid. What, what time do you want to go right with? So 
you know what, take those chances and, and you just do not know what's going to happen. Yeah, and Linda, that's right, like Joel Parks was, and uh, you know, what a great, great story. So I'm broke so records. That Daryl, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she she went and sang it on American Idol, and Joel's cut for the uh, royalties we figured was probably around seventy five thousand for that one online performance. So on air performance. All right, everybody, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's so great to see you guys, and we'll connect after all this craziness. But uh, we need to go to the next session. CMRA, know your rights and royalties. Thank you, thanks. everybody. Thanks, everyone. Sarah, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. All right. I hope you enjoyed that great conversation from uh, the 2021 edition of Indie 101. Again, the next Indie 101 online music conference is coming up from May 1st to 3rd. And Indie 101 is all about the fundamentals of being an artist or professional in the music industry. If you're involved in making music and releasing music, presumably you want to get that music you know, streamed, sold, heard, you want to sell merch around it, concert tickets, you want to get it sync licensed, and all these other avenues for growing your audience, your fan base, your revenue, and really having a sustainable long-term career in this industry. That's what Indie 101's all about. And we're all about practical, fundamental conversations that you can take advantage of to really boost your music career. So again, it's coming up from May 1st, the 3rd of this year. You can go to Indie101.com to see uh, more news and announcements and schedule as it's uh, as it's announced in the coming days and weeks. Um, and also get tickets. You have until April 27th to still save $20 on early bird tickets. I'd love to see you there. And again, that's May 1st, the 3rd of this year, Indie 101. Also, very importantly, we have our new online music community called DIT. It's Do It Together. If you come to Indie 101, which I was just talking about, uh, you'll see that some a couple uh, exclusive sessions are happening on DIT. It's kind of, you think about it as a combination of like Facebook, LinkedIn, but specifically for artists and other music industry professionals to learn. We have new content, educational content coming out every week on DIT. Um, we're also archiving you know, the podcast, our indie weekly webinars, and of course, our four online conferences. All that content is being shared and replayed on the DIT. So there's a ton to learn there, but there's also more importantly, a lot of connections and friends and networks to be made. So you can sign up right for it for free right now. Go to DITcommunity.com and I promise you, you'll be glad you did. So um, before we go, just one more important thing, last but not least, very important, one more final thank you and shout out to our sponsors and funders, because without them, we couldn't do any of the work we do for the music community. So Indie Week sponsors are Slate Music, CD Baby, the CMRRA, Lyric Fine, Banzoogle, the City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, the SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer who provide legal services to artists out in Atlantic Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the government of Canada. All right, big thanks to all of them. Big thank you to you for listening, and we'll see you back here again next Thursday.